Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Hope you're doing well today. It's our 789th day together in God's Word, Job 6. Job gets a chance to speak up for himself after the blistering attack from Eliphaz the Temanite, full of presumption and self-righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Please help us to understand Job well so that we can be faithful. Whether we're suffering or whether we're uh, coming alongside friends who are suffering, we want to be able to be faithful to you. And we also want to see Christ more clearly. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Job chapter 6. Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my vexation were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash. For the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey bray when he has grass, or the ox low over his fodder? Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the juice of the mallow? My appetite refuses to touch them. They are as food that is loathsome to me. Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would fulfill my hope, that it would please God to crush me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. This would be my comfort. I would even exult in pain unsparing, for I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh bronze? Have I any help in me when resource is driven from me? He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My brothers are treacherous as a torrent bed, as torrential streams that pass away, which are dark with ice and where the snow hides itself. When they melt, they disappear. When it is hot, they vanish from their place. The caravans turn aside from their course. They go up into the waste and perish. The caravans of Tima look the travelers of Sheba hope. They are ashamed because they were confident. They come there and are disappointed. For you have now become nothing. You see my calamity and are afraid. Have I said, make me a gift or from your wealth offer a bribe for me or, or deliver me from the adversary's hand or redeem me from the hand of the ruthless? Teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I have gone astray, how forceful are upright words, but what does reproof from you reprove? Do you think that you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is wind? You would even cast lots over the fatherless and bargain over your friend. But now, be pleased to look at me, for I will not lie to your face. Please turn, let no injustice be done. Turn now, my vindication is at stake. Is there any injustice on my tongue? Cannot my palate discern the cause of 
calamity? It's Job 6. You know, if we didn't have the prologue to Job, if we didn't have that peek behind the curtains to know what God thought of Job, that he was blameless and upright and that there was no one else on earth like him, God boasted of Job to Satan, not of Eliphaz or any of his friends. If we didn't have that peek behind the curtain, boy, Job would sound really brash and really self-righteous. And Eliphaz might even sound humble and reverent and pious. But the truth of the matter is that Eliphaz is the self-righteous, boastful one. And Job is the honest sufferer who is in deep agony through no fault of his own. So things are not always what they appear. Things are not always what they appear. Job, again, is pleading with God to do something, right? I mean, one point he just asks again for God to just crush him and kill him and end his life and get him out of, he said he'd even take pain over it because he doesn't understand. He doesn't, the, the puzzling injustice of it all, the puzzling, confusing answerlessness to the why just has him vexed, <laughs> vexed so much that his vexation can't be weighed in such deep calamity that, that his calamity can't even be put in balances. If it could be, you would see that they'd be heavier than the sand of the sea. That's pretty heavy. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. That sounds really cruel and harsh. I mean, after all, it's not God who's attacked Satan. It's, or God who's attacked Job. It's Satan. So Job is blaming God. Blaming God, sort of. I mean, he doesn't curse God. In all this, he doesn't curse God. You have to be careful. There's, there's a line. He doesn't cross it. Gets close, dances to the edge, is very free with his anguish. He's not cursing God. But he is saying that ultimately God is the one doing this, because even though Satan is the one coming after him directly, Satan is the direct agent of this. God gave permission. God could have stopped it. You know, God is sovereign over all. God couldn't do anything he wants to do. But God had his reasons. God had even good reasons. And part of it is to minister to millions of people over the course of thousands of years who are like Job in deep suffering that is no direct fault of their own. And, and so often, if we didn't have Job, think about if we didn't have Job in the Bible. If you went through deep, troubling pain, turmoil, tribulation, you might just think, I'm guilty in some way. I have done something that deserves this, right? But the Bible is repeatedly clear. We get to the New Testament even more clear because no one suffered as much as Jesus suffered. And Jesus was the righteous one. And the apostles all suffered greatly. And most of them were killed for their testimony. And they were faithful. Perfect, sinless, no, but faithful. And so Job and the New Testament give us this balanced 
perspective on suffering. Does suffering sometimes come from our own sin? Yes. Is the Lord sometimes disciplining us out of love because he wants us to let go of our idols and trust him? Yes. But sometimes suffering comes through no fault of our own. Sometimes God is doing something bigger and beyond our ability to even begin to wrap our minds around. All right, let's continue with um, what Job is saying here. He says, does the wild donkey bray when he has grass or the ox low over his fodder? No. If you're being well fed and well taken care of, you're contented, right? Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the juice of the mallet? The answer to this is again, no. My appetite refuses to touch them. They are as food that is loathsome to me. And then again, he says, I just want God to put an end to my life. And why? Because he doesn't have strength to endure this. What is my strength that I should wait? What is my end that I should? He doesn't understand. Again, there's no Christ yet. There's no resurrection of the dead yet. And so, and he doesn't have any strength. He just has no help in him. He has no resource for him. There, there is a difference between the way the Holy Spirit related to individual believers in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. I believe there was not the indwelling, abiding, constant presence of the Holy Spirit with and in every believer in the same way that we have him now. Jesus did make a difference. It meant something when the Holy Spirit was sent at Pentecost. Is the Holy Spirit absent from the Old Testament? No. And in fact, Job is here speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, all scriptures God breathed, all scriptures is, is the product of the Holy Spirit and inspiration. Certainly prophets, priests, and kings were anointed by God and were given the Holy Spirit to perform their anointed offices. But there wasn't that abiding, indwelling, continual presence of the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, as the one who is the inheritance, the right, the seal of every believer. And so Job largely is kind of relying on his own strength and he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He's at his end. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we can't sense the strength of the Holy Spirit even when he is sustaining us. And sometimes we feel like we're at our end. And then he has really, really harsh things to say to his friends, but not entirely undeserved. He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Take that, Eliphaz. One who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Again, that sounds like a proverb that probably is well known. My brothers are treacherous as a torrent bed, as torrential streams that pass away. And he's got this extended metaphor that he's describing. A wadi is this torrent bed, and they are riverbeds in Israel that would be full of water when snow is melting or when rains are coming, but otherwise they're dry. And so they can be dark with ice. They can be full of snow runoff. But then when it gets hot in the hot dry season, they vanish. And yet it still looks like there's a river over there because at one time there was. And so caravans can turn aside and can look for something and not get it. And he said, that's what Job's friends are like. Job didn't ask anything from them. He didn't say, make me a gift or from your wealth, offer me a bribe. He didn't ask anything from them of material support, right? Or even deliverance. But he says, if you have any wisdom, 
if you have any wisdom to offer me. I'm listening. I'm listening, but so far your words are completely out of place. You are reproving someone who's in despair. You're, you're chastising and rebuking someone who's at his wit's end and who doesn't know why this has happened to him. So this is this is where, listen, sometimes people say stupid things at funerals with people who've lost close loved ones. Um, I know I get it, especially in our culture, we're uncomfortable with death. We don't know what to say. It's best not to say anything if you don't know what to say or just say, I'm so sorry for your loss or I'm praying for you or, you know, let me give you a hug just to be there. It's best not to say anything if you can't figure out what to say. But platitudes and empty talk of, you know, even things like, oh, this is all for the best or, you know, oh, your loved one's an angel now or whatever. It's like, it's, it's not helpful, right? It's not helpful. And this is kind of the place where Job is. His friends, he would love to get wisdom from them, understanding from them. But right now, mm -mm, they're just, they're just sort of pouring salt in the wound. And so he says to them at the end of this chapter, look at me, look at me, right? Just look at me and see me. Like, don't, assume, don't presume, don't pile on these uh, assumed statements of truth. Actually look at me and see me. Sometimes that's what we need when we're suffering. We just need people to listen to us, to see us, to hear us, to know us, to not presume everything about us, but to actually care for us. And he says, is there any injustice on my tongue? It, you know, if I thought there was any way in which I deserve this because of something I did that I'm hiding, I wouldn't be in such anguish. In other words, that's what he's saying. He's saying to them, look, Eliphaz, if you think I'm a fool and that I'm some sort of secret sinner and that I've been fooling everybody and wearing a mask and really I'm a treacherous guy, if, if I thought that were true and I knew that about myself, I wouldn't be in vexation. I wouldn't have heavier vexation than the sand of the sea. I would know. I'd be like, well, I got found out. But that's not the truth. It's not the truth. All right. So what's our application from Job 6? I said a lot of words. Job gets me kind of stirred up because it's a very passionate book. Um, we need to love each other. Should I just say that? We need to love each other and really pray for each other. Don't just say that as a platitude of all. I'll pray for you. Actually pray for each other. Pray with each other and don't, don't try to offer wisdom if you don't really have any. It's best to just say, I don't, I don't know. You know, I've had to say that as a pastor, people said, pastor, why is this happening? I'm just, I, I, I just don't know. I trust that God knows, but I, but I don't know. And let me pray with you. Let me give you a hug. Let me be here with you. But beyond that, a lot of times when we don't have answers, we just need to say, I don't know. God knows. Let's talk to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to love one another better than we do. Sometimes we think it's more important that we have answers or more important that we figure out how to be in control or more important that we can predict things or more important that we can understand things or grasp things than just to trust you and love one another. 
And that's what we're called to do. We're called to trust you with the things that are beyond our understanding and to love one another. Help us to do so, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's Job chapter 6. Thanks for joining me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.